The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? It is going great, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Actually, can I be candid? I'm tired. I'm tired, it's, too. Uh, we, we, and, and we're going to talk about why we're tired, because we have a huge show today. We have so much stuff going on. This is actually, yeah, this has and been I'm one of our exhausted. busier shows. Yeah. This has been one of our busier shows. Um, but, but we'll hold that thought for a second. Uh, sure. If you want to get in touch with the Break the Business podcast, the uh, best way to do it is to find us on Twitter. I'm at Ryan K-A-I-R. Where are you, Dave? Metal Dave 85. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Search Break the Business Podcast. Our email address, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can email us with uh, questions you want to ask us on the show. If there's a topic about the music industry or pop culture that you want us to discuss, um, what have you, uh, that's where to find right. us. Break the business at gmail.com. And uh, we also have a, a physical plug, not just digital plugs. Uh, if you are in the Miami area on July 7th, Coming up soon, folks. At 6.30 p.m., go to the Books and Books on Coral in Coral Gables. Uh, you'll be able to see Ryan and me, because I'll be there, too. But it's his event. It's Ryan's event. Uh, with an author event at Books and Books discussing his book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving, achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Again, that's July 7th at 6.30 p.m., the Books and Books in Coral Gables. Funnily enough, I tweeted that out. You did. Books and Books just right now, a minute before we recorded, retweeted that. I know, like, so this is huge for me. So now this is funny. I, I, I just favorited that. Yeah. Technically, I could actually retweet that, right? <laughs> so should I retweet their retweet of my tweet and see, like, how far this... This vortex goes, or am I going to start? Are we going to break the space-time continuum? Uh, I, I get what you're saying there, but I think there is a limit to how much you can like do the, you know, exhibit pimp my ride. You got to retweet in your retweet, so you can retweet when you retweet. Like, there's only so many times you can do that. So oh, this is not going to be like the infinite reflection in the mirror. That's it's not, right. It's not a fractal of tweets. It is not indeed. Oh damn it, uh, fractal you, tweets. You can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We're at iTunes, SoundCloud. You can also check it out on BreakTheBusiness.com. We'd love to get those rates and reviews. That'll help us move forward. Yep. Um, oh, we have like a... Spe oh, and also uh, tell a friend about the podcast. But, but speaking of friends, we got like a nice we, friend uh, shout yes, out here. Yes, we have uh, some really cool news for friend to the show, uh, frequent guest, Mary Jennings. Congratulations to her and uh, Dave. Uh, she, she said they collaborated on a single... Their beautiful daughter, Eliza Dawn, it came into the world a few days ago. Congratulations, Mary. Mazel tov. Nothing but health and happiness for little Eliza Dawn. You're absolutely right. She is a true friend of the show. Uh, we've had her on two or three times. Mm -hmm. She's a treat every time because she's super informative, and she's so cool. And I just know she's going to be a cool mom. Yeah. Like, she just oozes cool. She was a big help yeah. with the book. Uh, I interviewed her for the book. I, I got some great quotes out of her for it. I mean... We owe her so much as a podcast, and we're yeah. we're so happy that. Do you think uh, she's going to be the coolest mom we have on the show? Oh, uh, we had another mom, right? Yeah, Sarah. Sa oh, Sa Sarah, Sarah from the droids. From the droids. I'm going to start a beef between the two of them. Yeah, a mom off. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're both lovely. Everyone's lovely. <laughs> Everyone who comes on this show is great, lovely, and you should check them all out. Check out our back catalog because right now we've got 
This is going to be our episode, our forty second episode, buddy. That's right. We got a lot of stuff in the back there. Like forty two. Yeah. I mean, the like show's our, the show's over the hill. The sh- yeah, the show's forty two. The show is wearing like calf high brown socks with sandals and khaki shorts. <laughs> and when when our when our show travels to Europe on vacation, he wears that like vest thing where he keeps his you know wallet and stuff so it doesn't get stolen. That's where our show is in terms of age right that now. That and the Banaka, yeah. And the Banaka, oh, big time on the Banaka. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're you know we're on track to when I think was it late August, early September rolls around, episode like fifty fifty two whatever that one year of the show. Yeah, we're gonna have like we have to, are we gonna do some kind of like annual celebration? We gotta get to work on that. Yeah, we're gonna have to. And by get to work, we're, we're probably gonna forget all about it and not do anything. Oh no, no, no I'm not gonna forget. Oh, is, is that right? No, because I love this. This is really important to me. I know you don't care about this. No, no, but, no I don't know. give a damn. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> um, but <laughs> as as we were saying in the beginning of this show, we're tired, and the reason why we're tired is because I don't know if we did this on purpose, but we jam packed the show with so much stuff going on, like the music business and the legal world is crazy and the pop culture world is crazy and we're trying to get our hands on it. And so let me just break down for the listener what's coming up on this show. Mm -hmm. Give you sort of a taste of everything. Um, In the first segment, we're going to talk a little bit about some crazy copyright news that's happened and Mm -hmm. how it affects indie artists. But we'll put that aside for a second. Coming up in the next segment, uh, terrific indie singer-songwriter Brian Freitas. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool guy, does a lot of great stuff with his career, makes great uh, intro videos for his website, uh, does a lot of other kind of cool stuff, too. I don't know what that sound was. Just keep moving forward, pal. (laughs) Oh, yeah, fine. We were pretending like it won't happen. Yeah, Brian Freitas, he's got his new album coming out September sales on uh, July 1st. That'll be cool. We're going to check that out. Yeah. And uh, then... We've got another guest. Yeah. We've actually been doing this, seems like, fairly recently now, yeah. where we have two guests. Um, and In the third segment, we have another guest. Yeah. No, so yeah, in the third segment, we got another guest in the D-Block, and um, this is a pretty good get. I'm pretty excited this, for this. Yeah, we discussed this, and folks, if, if you're following uh, the news, um, you know, the, the whole Star Trek uh, fan film, Axanar, and that whole uh, lawsuit with uh, Paramount uh, CBS, and... Um, just the the whole issue of like oh copyright infringement and you know you're not allowed to ha- basically make this Star Trek fan film put all this stuff in there. We have the director yeah. of that film of Axanar, Robert Burnett. He's nice enough to come on and chat with us. And the man knows the Star Trek. Right? Oh my God, no! He like well we we did a little pre chat with him. The dude is an authority. Um, yes, and, and that's and what makes this kind of you realize that like this is this it makes this very sad where it's like oh wow. This guy who loves this thing and is up was a legitimate part. There is a legitimate part of the Star Trek family, and the Paramount via CBS family is was be, uh, being sued and taken. Not not him personally, but you know, just his project yeah. is being you know raked over the coals by these guys. It's 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 sad. It is sad, and the reason why we're bringing him on specifically is one: we're Trekkies. I mean, right. I know this is a music business podcast, but hey, man, we're down with the Trek, and when Trek news happens, right. we're there. Also, you know, he's an indie content creator, and a lot of the struggles he's going through with, you know, the big corporate masters are, you know, things that all other indie artists go through anyway. And thirdly, uh, there was some news about this recently where uh, the Star Trek people, Paramount and CBS, put out some recent guidelines for fan films yeah. that are so ridiculous that basically no Star Trek fan film that currently exists can exist anymore. And it's just, you know, an example of, you know, on one hand, I appreciate copyright, but on the other hand, when you use federal law as a tool to bully your fans, like that's just bad business. And that's what yeah. Star Trek's doing here. We're going to talk about that in more detail in the third segment, but uh, 
We got to get through the A Block stuff first, the music business stuff, and we got yep. some juicy music business stuff, and we got some entertainment law news, which means we get <gasps> to play this. Yeah. Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Thank you, Mr. Asante. We got some entertainment law news stuff here. Um, recently, uh, we had a pretty significant copyright court ruling, David, from Rolling Stone magazine. Right. Uh, band, we all love this band, Led Zeppelin, won a copyright lawsuit, uh, which claimed that the band had plagiarized the song Stairway to Heaven, that they that, that song was actually plagiarizing another song by a band called Spirit, and the song was called Taurus. Um, a Los Angeles jury determined Thursday that the lawyer representing the estate of the late guitarist Randy Wolf uh, of the band uh, Spirit mm-hmm. uh, did not prove that Led Zeppelin's song Stairway to Heaven lifted this, their song's intro, the intro we all love from Stairway to Heaven, mm-hmm. from this song Taurus. And, and it's really the latest example of just the copyright infringement music suits we've been seeing recently because you know we just had a lawsuit with... Uh, uh, Goodness gracious, Robin Thicke yep. and Pharrell and T.I. for the song Blurred Lines, where they had to pay millions of dollars to the estate of Marvin Gaye because yeah. they said that Blurred Lines lifted the, uh, their song from this Marvin Gaye song, Got to Give It Up. Mm-hmm. There's a, another infringement suit that I think is happening right now involving Ed Sheeran and a former contestant on The Voice. Huh. And so these suits are a little scary, Dave, because I don't think that any of these artists that have been accused infringed on purpose, nor do I think they infringed at all. I think maybe they were inspired by other artists because really all art builds off of the stuff that's come before it. But now the more that these lawsuits become prevalent, the more other indie artists, you know, regular artists like you and me are going to live in constant fear that, Oh my God, is the song that I'm writing? Like, do I have another person's song like in the back of my head that's inspiring me that I don't even know about yeah. And is it going to sound just kind of reminiscent enough that some crazy copyright jury, you know, in the right setting might make me pay millions of dollars? It's a scary mm-hmm. environment. And here's the thing. All mm-hmm. right. So sort of bringing it back to the Stairway to Heaven suit. Stairway to you know Heaven, Led Zeppelin did win. They said that Stairway to Heaven didn't infringe on the song. But Robin Thicke <laughs> and Pharrell were not so lucky with right. the Marvin Gaye suit. They had to pay millions of dollars. And... I'm going to play these songs for you right now, Dave. Yeah, cool. And what I submit to you is that I don't see why Stairway to Heaven did not infringe on Taurus, but somehow Blurred Lines did did infringe on Got to Give It Up. I don't see how one is so much more similar right. than the other. What's the song's name again? Stairway to Heaven? The other one. Uh, Taurus. Right. Why does this, I feel like you're? I, why does it sound weird in my ears that you're saying it? Taurus? Yeah, no. I always feel like you're. You're just. You want to say tourist, but you're not putting the T on there. Like you've got the bone disease from the guy from South Park that can't pronounce the Flat T. Area. area. Nice yeah. obscure reference. Yeah. Well, see now you're gonna have me self conscious about it. Now oh, good. I'm, now good, I'm gonna good. be now now I'm gonna be off my game for the rest of the show. What's well, fun? Because really, what you've done is yep. you have now identified. For me, a yep. speech impediment that yes. I didn't know I have. Well, now, you and now, now I'm going to be awkward about it for the rest of my life. Well, that's great. And you know, I, unless you know, you're you're the case of a century. You have to go in front of the Supreme Court to defend, you know, the old Ford Taurus <laughs> against you know some sort of Taurus constellation thing. I don't know. Whatever. Play the music. I'm just glad I could. I'm glad I can call out your speech impediment, and make you feel bad about it, so you can work on it. I'm going to be wrecked for the rest of the show because yes. there is no fixing it. It is what it is. Taurus. That's, that's what how alcohol- you say it, right? That's what alcoholics say, I think, Ryan. <laughs> All right. Anyway, 
So here is the here here are the first two songs. This is the recent lawsuit, uh, the two songs that were ruled not infringing by a copyright jury. All right. Here is Stairway to Heaven and Taurus. So first, Stairway to Heaven, we all know it. All right. All right. You know it. You love it. Ah, soothing. Yeah, right? Okay, now here is the other song that that accused Stairway to Heaven of infringing on it. This is Spirit by Taurus. Did I say it right? Is it Taurus by Spirit? Did I say Spirit by Taurus? Yes. Yes. The song is Taurus. The band is Spirit. Here we go. So the jury heard that and said, no stairway, deny. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what happened, yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Oh, God. If anybody gets that reference, they, I hope, are laughing as much as I am. But yes. You better, because that's a great movie. It's a great movie. Uh, So, but yes, uh, Stairway to Heaven, not infringing. Yeah. That was the ruling. Okay, so now, but you can you can hear the resemblance. I can hear some similarities, and now hearing it again because we we've been sort of listening to it a bit today. Because like my, my my first thought was like, now nah, okay, I, I get why not. I I'm starting to see maybe why you could hear it in sort of the, uh, the yeah the tempo of it. Like you're saying, the note progression it seems to follow the same you know timing pattern and everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't know still because tourist doesn't go up. It just kind of like doesn't it, it just it, it's not really building like. Uh, stairway is right no i i get that I, I agree with you i get that there's some similarity but i don't i don't think that it was so egregious a theft that you know they would have had to have paid millions of dollars like what happened in this case with robin thick and pharrell and marvin Gaye's got to give it right. up so here's here's blurred lines and got to give it up this was a case yeah. where uh the blurred lines people had to pay millions of dollars mm-hmm. to marvin Gaye's estate The jury heard that and told uh, Robin Williams, um, Robin Thicke, <laughs> fudge. They told Robin Thicke, you got to give it up. Oh, <laughs> God, that was such a good joke. I'm so sad you botched it. I know, I through. tripped over it. Yes, damn it. What the hell are we doing? What, what the hell is this? Why is that a $3 million or $4 million infringement and the other one is scot-free? And, and, and like, believe me, I'm not trying to say... That Stairway to Heaven should also have to pay this amount of money. Neither of them should. 
This is ridiculous. Well, you know, juries are juries. They're different. You had 12 different people, or six, or whoever it was, different people. You know, they're just they're listening to different stuff. Well, and that's, and that's the problem is, I mean, and believe me, I'm not trying to get rid of, you know, trial by jury in this country. You want to abolish the Sixth Amendment, don't you? Apparently. But what I, what I do think is that this is a troubling trend where I'm pretty sure I could get 12 people in a jury room and I can play Minnie Ripperton and Slayer enough times and eventually I'm going to get those two I'm going to get those people to think, "Oh, I see some similarities there." Who is Minnie Ripperton? Oh, really? Yeah. Minnie Ripperton is a love in you is easy cuz you're beautiful. Oh. Are you going to try to hit the high note? Dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> ah! No, not even close. Um, nice. Um, but, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like we, like the, the difference, it seems to me, the difference between having to pay millions of dollars for mm-hmm. a song that may have inspired you and getting off scot-free for a song that inspired you are the whims of 12 crazy people. Well, don't people think Robin Thicke's kind of a douchebag anyway? And that's what this is. <laughs> like, we need, like, God, the music world needs to admit that that's what happened here, okay? We like Led Zeppelin. We don't like Robin Thicke. Led Zeppelin are rock demigods. Robin Thicke is somebody with a troubled background. And so we don't want, you know, we didn't want Led Zeppelin to suffer. And we do want Robin Thicke to suffer. And, right. I, and, I, and I think you can't. I mean, that's you, it. You can't, right. You can't take that. It's like, who, who are you taking this from Marvin Gaye, you know, taken from the world too soon? Great music. You're yeah. trying to steal this. You, you know, another uh, white dude trying to misappropriate black culture and black music. Screw you. Even though Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin have been accused of <laughs> that exact same thing. Um, but I guess, you know, spirit is not, you know, that. But, yeah, I think it's just Robin. People don't like Robin well, Thicke. And so, as a as a music, as a musical community, as a community of musicians, as a legal community, whatever, you're not allowed to make fun of me after you botched that. Got to give it up, Joe. Fine, all right. All right you're know, in fine, the penalty fine. box uh, right us now. Us in the musical community, uh, speaking the Go music ahead. community or the musician community yeah. and the legal community, like we should all be worried that this is where the standard of law is. That copyright juries, however they're feeling that day, can. You know, mean the difference between you having to pay millions of dollars and no dollars when a lot of this is just like anybody can fall into this trap. I feel like any person writing a song is always going to be inspired by the works that came before them. And maybe, you know, you make something that's reminiscent of something that you enjoyed from your past. And for all indie artists, that makes me really fearful. Well, you know what? You know what this means then? Artists out there, you just got to be innovative, right? Everyone's been for making music now for like hundreds of years, right? Using the same exact A to G. <laughs> we haven't gone anywhere else. It's now up to you to figure out where that H comes in and keep on going. <laughs> then you can't be sued for copyright infringement. Right. You know, work with play with the H note. That's you know, no one's really uh, treaded there yet. Yeah, be that person. Seize the reins. Innovate. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, basically, like it's. It's very, very troubling. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happens next. You know, when when I, I don't see how artists get a clear standard. I was at a music conference when I was at Nam, and they were talking about this. Blur. Oh yeah, you were at Nam, man. That was rough. I was at Nam, yes. And yeah, I, God, rough times. Are you sad because you weren't at Nam? No, I was making a joke. Like you can be like, yeah, I was at. Nam. Oh Nam, oh like, yeah. I, oh sorry, like Vietnam. Yeah, not yeah, not not that one. All right, we'd be quick on the uptake. Sorry. All right. 
I thought I thought you I thought you were just turning this into like one of your things where you complain that you got I got to go to Nam and you didn't. Well, but no, I was in China while you were in Nam, so I was still doing something oh, cool. There you go. But next year we're gonna go to Nam. I love it. Um yes. I was at the Nam Music Conference. Yes. And they did a whole panel about the Blurred Lines case, and musicians, all the musicians were that were there were really upset and were really worried. Yeah. And was know, the panel they were from, afraid of being the next person yeah. that this gets hit with. To be fair though, that panel was what, Robin Thick, T. I. and Pharrell, right? <laughs> that would have been cool. No. <laughs> No, what it, what it was was even funnier. On the panel was the musicologist that Marvin Gaye's estate used as an expert witness in the case. Uh-huh. So once she introduced herself of, yeah, I worked with uh, Marvin Gaye's estate in the Blurred Lines case, all the musicians were, boo, <laughs> boo, you suck. And they're like, whatever, man, I got paid. Yeah, it's, it's like, I got paid, the client got paid, uh, sorry for you. Yeah. But that's, I mean, it, it's crazy. Anyway... I hope that this is something that, you know, I don't know if there's a legal fix for this. I don't know what the fix is for this, but it's something that artists have to be mindful of. I mean, it's going to be tough because, you know, hey, it's, it, if it comes down to people to listen and figure out for themselves and just determine that, I mean, that's tough. You really can't legislate what people think they hear, you know? We're abolishing juries. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. No. All right. All right. No, Mr. no, no. All right. Are you, are you, you're also for Brexit? <laughs> Well, we're gonna make this about Brexit. <laughs> no, uh, no, that's okay. Um, no, no, yeah, that's cool. So, uh, anyway, coming up now, we got uh, Brian Freight is coming up, right, man? Yes, indeed. Uh, and, oops, sorry. No no, 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 no. You know what? Give us the outro. I think you're 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 rocking. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, do it. Do All it. right. So, uh, coming up uh, right next, we got uh, Brian Freitas. He's gonna give us some uh, great tips on uh, some. I think it's like some what some good website stuff, right? Mm-hmm. right? Like some in, uh, intro videos, and everything. And again, he's got an album coming out uh, July 1st. So Brian Freight is coming up on The Break, the business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. He is an indie singer-songwriter originally from Woodstock, Vermont. His upcoming album, September Sales, is coming out July 1st, and he'll be hosting CD release parties throughout the country in support of the album. You can find out more about his music by visiting brianfreitas.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Freitas is on the Break the Business Podcast. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Ryan and Dave, for having me. I appreciate it. It's All very right. much our pleasure, my friend. Um, we've, we've really enjoyed checking out your website and listening to your music in the studio, waiting for this interview to start. And we love your sound, man. Can you tell people a little bit about your music? Yeah, so uh, originally I'm from Vermont, and I actually I went to a small private school up in New Hampshire called Kendall Union Academy, and that's that's kind of where everything jumped off. I, you know, I, I didn't. I grew up around music. My grandfather plays the accordion. He's he's uh, kind of big time around my my little podunk town in Woodstock, Vermont. Um, and so that kind of got the wheels spinning a little bit. And then once I went to to the private school, I got somewhat forced into it uh, by some of my friends, and they uh, you know they wanted me to sing a song for them. And kind of to this day, I still don't really know how they 
knew that I could sing because I didn't sing in front of everybody. I was a pretty pretty shy kid. And so when I was, uh, so they asked me to, to sing a Stone Temple Pilot song plush uh, for them at this rock oh, band concert. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and it was kind of funny because in my head I just said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to, I'll say yes right now. And then I'm just going to quit later and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> about two nights before the show, I was like, I guess I can't quit now, and so I got to do this thing. And I got to, I got to tell you, I was as nervous as you could possibly be. Um, and so I, I ended up wearing wearing sunglasses. Um, kind of a little tip I picked up uh, from Daddy's Boy, you know, or Daddy's Boy, the Adam Sandler movie, Daddy's. Yeah, yeah. The uh, where he wore the little kid wore the sunglasses. Oh, and Big Daddy. Like invisible. Oh yeah, yeah, Big Daddy. Big, big Daddy, daddy yeah, right? Big daddy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so I wore sunglasses on stage cause I was like, oh, no, I think this helps a little bit. And, um, so I did that and it was one of the, one of the coolest things that I'd ever done. I've played sports my whole life and, you know, winning games, it feels pretty good and, and all that stuff. But, you know, after the performance, after being extremely nervous and kind of, you know, get yourself all jacked up and, you know, to get a, a great response right out of the gate was, was pretty awesome. And even my parents were kind of like, uh, we didn't think you were going to pull this one off. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun getting out there with, with some of my best friends and, and starting to play music. So that's kind of where, it, where it all started. And then when I went to, I went up to Bates college up in Maine and that is where I started playing out at public venues. And, um, when I did that and it's definitely much easier in college to get people out to your shows. Cause they're just looking for, you know, a place to have a good time. Any excuse will be, uh, will, will work. And so that's kind of where I got into playing out live places. And then I started to write my own songs. And, and when I moved out to Salt Lake city, Utah, that's when uh, I met up with a couple people that got me into the studio and, um, you know, really started, developing my own my own songs and each step has been it's been interesting it's been it's been a lot of fun it you know i think a lot of people automatically think you're just gonna put out an album and go straight to the top where that's not necessarily the case but uh each album each time i've gone in the studio has been been really really neat and it's a really cool experience to kind of develop me as a as a musician i'm um, trying to figure out how to make the sound better and and how to make the lyrics better each you know each time so that's kind of where i've come from musically now i'm I'm down in southern maryland and and the music scene down here is awesome actually and it's something that i didn't really know about and i kind of feel like i kind of fell into a gold mine down here because there's a lot of super loyal people loyal to local music um awesome musicians down here that are extremely um willing to help anybody out that's pursuing pursuing music so Okay. That's kind of where I am right now. You are so right, Brian. Uh, I've actually told artists this before, that the Mid-Atlantic region is a super underrated music, like has a bunch of super underrated music scenes, and it can actually be a great area for artists to cut their teeth. Hey, Dave, uh, yeah. Brian's path is sort of, you know, into be, you know into where he is now is sort of an unconventional one. Most of the artists we interview, they say, you know, oh, I, you know, I, I've been singing songs on my guitar since I was three years old. My right, mommy yeah. and daddy said, like, you're always going to be a singer. Like, you were a jock, and you 
and and you discovered this later in life and you've ran with it and it's it's cool to see. Yeah. Actually, I'm wondering is yeah. do you ever, do you have a competition with your grandfather sometimes like, you know, in the, in the past like, hey, you know, hey, listen old man, I got more uh, people now know me than you did on your accordion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh it's, it's actually it's funny though. He he crushes it on the on the uh on the squeeze box. He goes um we have in our hometown, we have this big Wassa weekend, and right on, right in the middle of town, there's a a green, and they build this huge fire, a uh, huge bonfire, and everybody comes down, and like the whole town is there, and he's in the middle of it, like right next to the fire, and everybody's singing along with him. So, I still feel like I'm, you know, I'm playing second, second fiddle to him at at this point. So I gotta I gotta keep <laughs> grinding, keep working to get to get better than him. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's great. And 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 to your credit, you're doing a lot of stuff right, Brian. Uh, one of the things that immediately pops out when we were just sort of checking you out is you get on your website. You got this super slick intro video, man. It is put together so well. And unlike with most artist websites where you really have to dig around and and look and click a bunch of links to find out what an artist is about, your intro video uh-huh. r- helps your fans get an idea of who you are as a person and an artist right away. And it's so cool. Uh, can you give some tips for other artists and how they can have similarly cool intro videos on their sites? Yeah. Um, so I, I have to you know, be completely honest. I'm not a huge marketing guy. I've always been pretty shy as far as putting myself out there trying to market myself i I really don't love that part of the the business i love singing making people happy and and uh you know getting people up and up and dancing but um a couple months ago i I met up with um somebody with a photographer who gave me the name of danny uh who's kind of been my consultant slash manager um for the past uh few months and it's been she's done an absolutely amazing job um, so I guess my, my advice would be, uh, to, you know, figure out what your strengths are and then whatever your weaknesses are, there's tons of people out there that, that are experts in those areas and they're, that are willing to help in any, you know, any way they can. And so I would say my, my advice would be to just find those people that are experts, let them be the experts in those fields and just learn a ton. I mean, I've learned so much from, from Danny and, and, um, you know, she's done an absolutely amazing job with, with all that stuff, especially my website. Um, you know, she built that from scratch. So it's been, uh, it's been a really cool few months, you know, just getting all that stuff put into place. Cause, um, I didn't really have that before and, and it has been a huge help to me. Well, that's actually really solid advice, Brian. And, uh, you know, you don't you don't have to uh, begrudgingly admit anything. Um, what you have demonstrated is something that um, we tell that we advise indie artists on all the time. In fact, in the Break the Business oh, yeah. book, Dave, um, there's a quote from a great great indie artist named Kim Bookbinder, mm-hmm. and she sums up like how to achieve success in the music industry with two very simple sentences: find your strengths, do those things; find your weaknesses. Don't do those things, which is you know, yeah, focus exactly. on the things that you're good at. And for everything else, surround yourself with the kind of people, whether it's, right. you know, people you pay or your friends, family, fans to have them do the things that you're not good at. Like the idea of like we use the term do, DIY musician, but we use it just because we have lack of a better term because it's not do it yourself. It's surrounding yourself with the right people to have them do the things that they're good at. And it sounds like you're already right on that path of finding the right team and building it so that 
you know, you can have the things you need in your music career. And that's awesome. Um, I'd love to talk a bit about your touring now, because you do tour a lot, which is yeah. really cool. And in support of your upcoming album, September Sales, out July 1st, uh, there's your plug. Uh, uh-huh. You're hosting, there you go. <laughs> you're not just hosting one release party, you're hosting multiple release parties throughout the country. Uh, you're going to Salt Lake City. I saw one in Penn State. You got one in Maryland. You're, you're, I think I saw one in Boston. Like you're really bouncing around. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what sort of motivated you to pursue that kind of strategy. Um, so really, I, I mean, I, I kind of, I've been bouncing around myself as far as places that I've lived. So when I went to college, I was up at, at Bates College up there in Maine. And, you know, I grew up in the Vermont area. So a lot of people that I met there um, are living now in the Boston area. My two sisters, um, <clears throat> Crystal and Whitney, have, uh, they've kind of planted their seeds in the Boston area. And then in Woodstock, Vermont, that's the town where I grew up in. So since a lot of people, everybody knows everybody in the town. So, you know, that's, it's pretty easy to, to go back to your hometown and, and show them what you've kind of what you produced and what you've made and what you've created. Um, Salt Lake city, I moved out there after college for <clears throat> six years and, you know, I was, I was gigging around there. I was recording my album and I, I made a lot of contacts out there. I met a ton of people and, and just made a ton of gr- great friends and, uh, you know, a second family out there. And then Southern Maryland, I've been living here, um, now for two years and, and got big, you know, into the music scene and, and, uh, met some great people down here and Penn state. Um, uh, my uncle's, uh, the head lacrosse coach up there at Penn state and, my aunt went to Penn State, and they have I. So we go up there and go to football games and just have a good time um, up there around the holidays. And every time I go up there, I try to try to play for for them and their friends. And you know, I got I've gotten such a good response, and they keep wanting me to come back. And so I guess when I started to think about how I want to release, how I wanted to to release this, and how I wanted to show, I just wanted to give back to the people that have supported me and, and try to create some kind of uh, special, you know, event, special show for, you know, all those people that have supported me to be able to come to. Cause a lot of them, you know, me being down in Southern Maryland, they can't, they can't come to a lot of my shows. And even though they want to support me, they, you know, they aren't able to, to make it down here on the weekends, unfortunately. Um, so I wanted to do the full band thing cause everybody's seen me play solo so many times. And, and I just want to give back to each, community that's given to me and so hopefully it'll all uh, work out i think we got some awesome venues um that we're playing and i think bill's bar in boston i believe maybe the chumbawamba's like released their album there or something so there's some cool stuff going on in july i'm really excited about it's gonna be a lot of traveling but it's gonna be a ton of fun well i'm already excited for you um i it's well it's just it's just super fun to be around artists when they have a big project like this coming out yeah and also salt lake city i went there uh last year i actually got a friend over there beautiful town yeah beautiful city you oh, know, it's gorgeous i mean uh, i can't think of a better place to perform you got like the rocky mountains right there in the background and everything and um there's, yeah there's also this really good was it i think it was like a belgian waffle place ryan i know you don't know anything about this <laughs> There was some sort of like a uh, waffle shop sort of place with sandwiches. Anyway, I can't, you really the got name us, escapes me. I don't do know. You, you got us in Salt Lake City Belgian waffle talk, Dave. Well, you know. <laughs> we don't talk to that many people who have been in Salt Lake City, okay? 
<laughs> I can't remember the name right now. Well, but, uh, you know what? Uh, I was going to devote the rest of this interview to uh, promoting Brian's terrific album, but maybe we should just go into breakfast foods. I think Brian's cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in, in all seriousness, though, uh, we, we do uh, admire your desire to spread the good word of your music to as many different markets as possible. And in our own little way, we'd like to help you in that regard. Uh, we're excited to play one of your songs uh, right here on the show now um, so that the fans can check it out and get to find out more about you. So this is uh, uh, a song of yours, A New Day, played right here on the Break the Business podcast.
That was A New Day by Brian Freitas here on The Break, the business podcast. You can check out his new album, September Sales, coming out July 1st. Brian, thank you so much for letting us play that on the show. That was terrific. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. <laughs> I appreciate you guys playing that. Not a lot of, not a lot of uh, radio stations will uh, spend indie artists, so that uh, means a lot. Well, that's their loss. That was awesome. Um, can you, uh, so tell people how they can find you on social media. You got Bandcamp pages, uh, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all over everything pretty much. So Facebook, I have a, a Facebook music fan page. Uh, if you just look up Brian Freitas Music, um, Twitter uh, is Brian Freitas Music. Um, Instagram is also Brian Freitas Music. There's just so many to keep track of. Um, but I also have right now, uh, with the album coming out, and I'm bringing the band kind of all over the country. And so right now I have a Pledge Music page that's that's up, and um, I'm really looking for, for people to, to help and, and become a part of this project with me. Um, so, you know, if, if there's any way that anybody listening, you know, is interested in, in my music and interested in what I'm what I'm trying to do, um, if you can go to pledgemusic.com and, and check that out, uh, there's all sorts of stuff that you can buy up there. You got everything from t-shirts to, you know, having me in your home doing, doing some chores for you. I saw <laughs> so that. And music lessons we'll make, too. We'll make it fun. Yeah. I got some music lessons, whether it's, uh, you know, in home or virtual. So we can do some online stuff, uh, via FaceTime or, or whatever, Skype. Um, so there's, there's a lot of stuff kind of going on right now keeping track of everything is, is a lot of fun <laughs> oh r- right on folks show brian some love people he's yeah. the best and um, that's and that's brian b-r-y-a-n oh, freitas nice. f-r-a-t-e-s very very good uh before yeah. we let you go brian and uh, this has been a treat thank you so much for joining us um can you share just any last final tip that you have for the indie artist listeners out there maybe something we didn't cover um yeah i mean i guess my advice and what kind of what I've what I've learned and learned from people that are that are doing bigger, much bigger things than I'm doing right now, just because of their you know their successes, is that uh, kind of like I said before, you don't just jump out and and get played all over the place unless you have tons and tons of money. So if you're doing it grassroots style, I mean you got to just kind of grind it out and and every day you got to be doing something, whether it's working on getting the website up or working on um, getting your financials in order or working on a new song or working on uh, booking yourself to, to make some more connections out um, in your area. I mean, that's the, that's kind of the, the only way you're going to be, get heard. You got to just, you just got to keep meeting people, keep putting your face in, in front of their face and, and hoping some, some things stick. And, you know, each time you, you make a connection, hopefully that, you know, they'll tell a friend and that, that connection doubles into, into something else. So, the more you can, the more you can get out there and, and grind it out. Um, I think you know a lot. A lot of people, a lot of a lot of musicians think that if you just play, things are going to happen. But you kind of do have to treat it, treat it like a business. Um, and and if you have that mentality, I think it's it's going to help propel you a little bit quicker than than others that are out there doing the same thing. Treat it like a job. Treat it like a business. Move yeah. the ball forward every single day. I love it. Brian, thank you so much yep. for joining us. We'd love to have you on yep. again real soon. Oh, absolutely. Anytime uh, you guys you guys have our numbers, and um, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been a pleasure, and 
and uh, you guys have a have a great weekend. All right. Thank you very much, and good luck with uh, the album. Remember, that September sales coming out July 1st. Nice. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Brian Freitas for joining us in the previous segment. All right, Dave. As we promised earlier in the show, we are going to devote some time to talk about what's been happening with Star Trek and the Star Trek fan films because it happens to involve two of our favorite things, Star Trek... And independent content creators. Yeah, and copyrights. So, oh my God, it's a it's a perfect mesh for this it, show. It buddy. really is. It's right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago on the show, you and I talked about this ongoing lawsuit between CBS and Paramount on one side, the right. guys who own Star Trek, and the makers of a fan film in production called Star Trek Axonar. Right, right. Uh, the former is trying to shut down the latter's production, and a lot of Star Trek fans are upset. They're saying, look, we're not hurting anyone. We're just trying to honor the Star Trek brand, the Star Trek franchise that we love so much. And the last time we talked about this, you and I, the Mm -hmm. reports, and they seem to be good news, were that CBS and Paramount were going to drop the lawsuit. Right. I think J.J. Abrams came out and had this whole thing. He's like, all right, guys, you know what? This is not, this this is good for no one. Stop being mean to the fans. Yeah, we all love this. Like, okay, let's go. Let's finish it. And I think everyone thought like, oh, good. You know what? It's going to go away. Yeah. And and we were, we were sort of celebrating on the show. Yeah. But now it appears that that, that's, that's not the case, that the lawsuit is still ongoing and it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. And so now we have this this week, and this is crazy. Uh, CBS and Paramount this week released a set of, quote, fan film guidelines on their Star Trek website in which they said, basically, if you want to make a Star Trek fan film, you have to follow these rules. And you've read these rules, Dave. Oh, yay. Yeah, good. Rules. Yeah. Yeah. These rules are ridiculous. Uh, Exceedingly so. Yeah. One of the guidelines is that the film, the fan films, cannot be more than 15 minutes and no multi-episode story can be more than 30 minutes. So basically, all the fan films that have been made, including Star Trek Axanar, that are more than 15 minutes, yeah. like they all, they all get shut yeah. down. It's like The Simpsons with a Herman. This baby can take a four megaton blast. No more, no less. <laughs> I might be the only person who gets that reference, but that's very funny. And look, I'm an IP lawyer. We work, you and I, we work in copyrights and trademarks. We do. And I, I'm, you know, we, we believe they should be respected. We are pro- property rights yes <laughs> um and we spent whole episodes on this show in fact teaching artists how to protect their copyrights how to protect their trademarks uh-huh. we we explain the law on this stuff all the time but there's another side to this in business there always has to be a balance between protecting your intellectual property but also keeping your fans happy these right. these fan films axonar mm-hmm. they don't hurt cbs and paramount nobody's nobody's you know it's not taking any money out of their pocket nobody sees these two things as competitors what Axonar is, is it's free advertising. It's cultivating fan engagement and suing your fans for making tribute films. It's, right. it's biting the hands that feed you. Yeah, the PR department probably is fighting with the legal department. Yeah, like, what are imagine. you people doing? We, we got a yeah. movie coming out in a couple weeks. Stop pissing yeah. the fans off. And J.J. was like, guys, guys, let's do it. And they're like, shut up, Star Wars boy. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. But thankfully... Yeah. You and I, we we have a great opportunity to talk about this. Yeah, this is a real treat. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this. So somebody who's actually in the thick of all this, uh, joining us now on the Break the Business podcast, the director of the Star Trek Axonar film project, Robert Meyer Burnett. 
Hey, Robert, how are you? I am uh, Brian Cage. It's a great honor to be on the show. Oh. Uh, uh, it would be nice to talk to proper professionals and those working in the legal profession about this as opposed to the armchair lawyers I normally talk to on Twitter. Well, it would normally be nice to talk to uh, professionals about this. Unfortunately, you're stuck with us, but yeah. I hope you can get through that okay. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very honored and privileged to be here. Oh, that's very Thank kind. You. Uh, before we had you on, Robert, uh, before we started recording, we were checking out your IMDb page, and you got some serious Trekkie bona fides, my friend. You've worked on a bunch of Star Trek documentaries and other programs. Uh, you seem to be a good caretaker of the Star Trek universe. Can you, can you give the folks a taste of your resume? Well, I'll tell you, I fell into the uh, DVD special features world, and I worked on everything from Lord of the Rings to Disney's Fantasia. I made a feature-length documentary about the making of Tron. But then the piece de resistance was of my DVD special features producing career was working on the high-definition restoration of Star Trek The Next Generation, where I created extensive documentaries for all seven seasons of the show. And I also worked on all four seasons of uh, Star Trek Enterprise for Blu-ray. Okay, so, so that's pretty cool. So basically, obviously, I think the picture is, Ryan, he, he's kind of a Star Trek fan. Yeah, yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah, basically there. You know, but, you mediocre know, that, fan. That's amazing. He, you've done all that, and you've actually worked with Paramount, you know, CBS, Viacom, actually for Star Trek. So, I mean... That's that. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, it's, that's, a, it's an interesting yeah. uh, twist in all this, and I imagine this has been a rough time for you recently, Robert, with the continuation of the Axonar lawsuit by CBS and Paramount, despite the fact that J.J. Abrams said the suit would be over, and now with the release of these ridiculous fan film guidelines, uh, how are you feeling? Well, you know, it's it's very disheartening to me because as a literally a lifelong fan of Star Trek, I have spent my life going to conventions. And when I was growing up going to conventions, one of the cool things you'd find is fan-made product. Star Trek always inspired throughout its rich history. People wrote unlicensed novels. There were fanzines published. And in 1976, Bantam Books published a book called, an anthology called Star Trek The New Voyages that was a compilation of fan-written short stories that were called together by these two women, Sondra Marshak and Myrna Colbraith, who edited the book. And Gene Roddenberry wrote the foreword to this collection of fan stories oh, wow. that were now being officially released. So the creator of Star Trek wrote this beautiful foreword where he thought one of the most amazing things to come out of Star Trek, which, remember, was a failed television show. It was canceled after its third season, and it only ran three seasons because of a huge fan letter writing campaign that saved the show from being canceled in its second season and NBC gave it a third season. So fans saved Star Trek back in the 60s. Roddenberry wrote this introduction saying they loved fan fiction. They couldn't believe that people were so inspired by their love of Star Trek to create all of this rich tapestry of material from that was inspired by the show. Because that had never happened before. You know, nobody is going to dragnet conventions or, or <laughs> I, you know, nobody's going to I Dream of Genie conventions or <laughs> Gilligan's Island conventions. I mean, no one's writing Gilligan's Island fan fiction or, or making Gilligan's Isle, Island models of the, the, the place they lived. 
Star Trek was. Right. I, I feel like I, I don't want to tell your lawyer what to do, and this is not advice or anything. I'm just putting out a disclaimer. I feel like that forward should be evidence <laughs> in, well, no, uh, no. in this. It's funny you say that because I did send that forward to our lawyer, Aaron Ranahan, and in the last filing from our side, she included it. So, oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So Yeah, and, and it's it's the kind of thing. So, so you know, what, what has happened, Star Trek fan filmmaking is just the, the current in a long line, a, 50, a rich 50-year history of fan-produced material right. based on Star Trek. So yeah, the these the fan filmmaking has always been a part of the culture and up until recently it sounds like it's been something that the Star Trek people have sort of given their blessing to. And now what what I think is a a more interesting focus cuz it's, you know, kind of the hot news right now are these fan film guidelines that they released earlier this week. These things are are so burdensome. The way that they're written, it would basically shut down all the fan films that have been created or are in progress. Uh, can you talk about some of the specific guidelines that are most burdensome for you as a fan film director? Well, I'll tell you, one of the fan film guidelines says that anyone who's ever worked for CBS or Paramount in the past, not necessarily on Star Trek, cannot make a fan film, huh. which they have banned me for life from ever making a Star Trek fan film. That feels very targeted. Yeah. Oh, I, and it even says specifically if you've worked on their DVDs. <laughs> oh, Hey, Robert, thanks for everything you've done for us. Uh, don't make any fan films. Yeah. Dave and I completely agree with you that these guidelines seem to have the effect of, you know, whether even though they don't say it explicitly, they just shut down all of the existing fan films because right. they can't meet these requirements. And um, it sort of had my colleague and I engaged in a mild form of protest um, in which we, uh, we we created a hashtag on Twitter called Trek Fan Film Guidelines, in which we uh, came up with other fan film guidelines that are similarly ridiculous and burdensome as the ones released by Paramount and C CBS. And since you are the Star Trek Axonar fan film director and a big-time Trekkie, um, we think you would be in the best position to let us know which of our parody guidelines is the funniest. So we want to read a bunch of these to you rapid fire. We'll just do one after another. And we want you to rate each one on a scale of one to ten, ten being your favorite. <laughs> All right, absolutely. All right, let's put Sweet. some let's put some music behind this. Alrighty. All right, first one. Klingons may only be portrayed by duct taping live turtles to the heads of amateur actors. <laughs> I'll give that a seven. Ooh, good start. All right, that's the baseline. All right. All right, okay. Authentic Klingon masks prohibited. Actors must squeeze their forehead with their hands instead. <laughs> How about a five? Oh, okay. Five. Ooh, going down. I, I like we make it, we get him giggling. Yeah, yeah. To ensure authenticity, all deep space scenes must be shot on location. <laughs> you know what? I'll give that a ten because that's exactly something they would have put in those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ten. All right. Well, that's reasonable. Yeah. All right. Phaser sound effects prohibited. Actors must make pew pew sound with their mouths instead. I'll give that an eight. Ooh, yeah. nice. Um, no references to impulse or warp engines may be used. All propulsion must be by oars. <laughs> well, they did say they wanted to go back to the beginning. So, yeah, I'll give that a nine. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. No holodeck allowed. Only cardboard boxes, pillows, and the power of imagination can be used. <laughs> That's ten. Yeah. All right. That's mine, too. That's good. That was one of yours. All right. Um <laughs> Fan film plot lines may only involve characters seeking out old life and old civilizations. <laughs> That's a, <t> <laughs> That's yeah. a <laughs> All 
Only one fan film shall be approved. Winning director will be chosen by Botleth Deathmatch. <laughs> oh, no, no. That would be illegal according to their fan film. Oh, right, oh you're, you can't oh, do any illegal oh, shoot. You're right, yep. <laughs> murder is, of course, illegal, which means, uh-oh, you can't be killed. So I'm going to give that a zero. Oh. <laughs> Technicality zero. Yeah. Your it's film... Your film is not allowed to feature space, ships, or any trekking through stars of any kind. <laughs> That's right up there. I'll give that one an eight and a half. Right. Eight and a half. Okay. Right. No mention of the neutral zone is allowed. Only a eh, whatever zone. <laughs> uh, eight. Eight. All right. I feel like overall these are pretty solid. Like yeah, yeah. good stuff. All I, right. I, uh, the comedy, you guys, Ryan and Dave's comedy stylings very much uh, fit right in. Oh yeah. The, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, we reserve the right to send Jonathan Frakes to your set to eat all of your craft services. <laughs> oh. I uh, know. I feel bad about that one. I wrote that one. I feel bad. My apologies to nice Jonathan guy. Frakes. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met, and he's he's got a great television uh, directing career, so he could probably tell you which studio has the best craft service. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. Uh, all fan films must be no less than five minutes and no more than four minutes. Oh, the, yeah, that's right up there. I'll give that one a nine. <laughs> right. um, plot lines must only involve characters meekly going where people have gone before. <laughs> that's another good one. I'll give that a, an eight. All right. Uh, the transporter effect may only be depicted via a leaf blower and a five-pound bucket of glitter. Yeah, but I can make that work. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll give that one. That's just, you know what? That's just a creative challenge. Yeah. I'll All right. And, and and finally, no. Uh, you know, why don't you just make a Star Wars fan film? Stop wasting our time. Well, you know, I'll tell you, the Star Wars, uh, uh, the custodians of the Star Wars franchise really understand uh, fan films, they, as a matter of fact, they have their own fan film guidelines, but only if you want to enter their Star Wars fan film contest. Oh. They, they actually, not only do they support fan films, but they pick their favorites and put them out on Blu-ray when they officially released episodes one through six a couple of years ago uh -huh. on Blu-ray. They included the best fan films in that package. Oh, they wow. They released them commercially, commercially, including... My good buddy uh, Kevin Rubio's famous Star Wars fan film Troops, which was based on cops. Oh, Troops! I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now there's Troops. Troops was actually what I loved about Troops. It's a brilliant example of fan filmmaking because not only does it work as a parody of cops, but it still works in the continuity of the Star Wars universe. It gives you backstory into what happened to Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru right. from Star Wars. And so Dave's smiling over here because now you're getting into Star Wars, which is his thing. <laughs> oh, I mean, I love Star Wars. I saw Empire Strikes Back 26 times in the theater when it was originally. Oh, nice. Oh, see, now, now I feel like a schmuck that I've only, I, I said, like, I saw Force Awakens in theaters five times. Now I feel well, like slacker. a bad, Yeah, I feel like a bad person now. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But Empire Strikes Back was way better than The Force Awakens. Well, that's true, yes. But unfortunately, I, I was born in 1985, so that wasn't an option. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking Back to the Future came out. So that's a good year to be born. But, and actually, it was quite funny. My birthday is October 27. He went back in time October 26, 85. So it was kind of like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. That's, but, no, yeah, that's but, awesome. You know, the, the real, I think the real sad part about these fan film guidelines is, once again, Star Trek fandom is misunderstood. And, and ultimately, 
uh, as it has been. I mean, I grew up being called a Trekkie, you know, people that knew. It used to be a disparaging comment before the geek singularity happened, and now everybody's a geek and it's all cool. Star Trek fandom was the first openly mocked fandom. Right, yeah. Uh, and so for a lot of my life, I was in the closet, so to speak, about <laughs> how extreme my Star Trek fandom really was. And now I think the, the supreme example, it's very difficult to make a movie. And it's even more difficult to make a good film. And with the technology that is now available to people, uh, celebrating Star Trek in this way, it is, it is energy, it is creative energy and creative thought and creative, the, the industry of this kind of creativity should be harnessed, exalted, celebrated, and shared. And if they were smart, like what Gene Roddenberry did when he wrote his foreword to Star Trek The New Voyages in 76, the custodians of the franchise, CBS that owns all the underlying rights to Star Trek, they didn't even create that. They inherited these rights back in 2005. Um, they should be ashamed of themselves for doing this to a fan base that has kept their that have kept these underlying rights valuable in the first place. Now, there's a lot of people that would come out and say, well, they own it, they can do whatever they want with it. Well, that's true. But they would be worthless. Those rights would be worthless without the fan base that has been there for 50 years. Yep. And these movies that people are making out of nothing but love, there is no commercial value to these final these these movies that were made. None. And when they're given away... They're given away for free. Now, and, and then people go make more of them. Well, you know, and, um, you know, we, we're going to be watching uh, this uh, lawsuit closely, and hopefully that uh, Axanar and uh, you guys and the team could prevail. So that way, you know what, the kids that are coming up now have the ability to be creative, have the ability to love this show, love this series, the movies, the, 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 the universe created by Gene Roddenberry so long ago, and actually continue into this uh, creative uh you know, endeavor of there. So, you know, we're going to be watching and, you know, we're, yeah, Robert, yeah. we'd love to have you on. Yeah. Uh, we love trekking out with you. This is awesome. Uh, we hope we can have you on again more often under better circumstances. Yeah. Uh, Cause we've just really enjoyed this. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, you know, come on, this is a lot of fun. I, this is the first time I've actually been able to talk about the fan film guidelines and it's, it's just, you know, I think it's really sad. I think once again, they were made by people that don't make films. Yeah. Why do you yeah. make films? All right, Robert, uh, thank you so much for being on with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank it. you very much. Thanks very much. All right, quick programming note, everyone. Thank you very much, Robert Burnett, to coming on and giving us that great interview. You've just heard uh, an edited portion, though. He was so great and gave us so much of his time. We had to sort of edit down the content of the interview. So what you only heard was just a taste. We're going to put up the full unedited, uncut interview. Well, not uncut. I'm making it sound like he's dropping F-bombs left and right. <laughs> that wasn't the case. The full unedited interview up to download uh, on the, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, the same exact places you get the show. We're just going to put that up as a standalone. And again, Robert Burnett, absolutely great. The director of Axonar, who's a pretty much at the center of this whole Star Trek, uh, CBS, uh, Paramount controversy. Fan film guidelines, yeah. all that craziness. Listen, if you love Star Trek, uh, you know, okay, point one, if you're a Trekkie, you're going to want to listen to this. Yeah. Because he gives a lot of great just insight because he's been, he's lived his life essentially, I think, in Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing the opportunities he's had to work in this 
basically in this universe that he came to love as a kid and just he ended up in it, man. I've never met anybody. Yeah. Anybody more knowledgeable than this guy was. It, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe there's like some uh, ultra nerds out there going like, oh, I beg to differ. Well, you know, you listen to this, you listen to the interview and uh, you see what happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, please go ahead and uh, listen to that. Download it. Absolutely great. He also, you know, sort of again gets a bit and also just behind the scenes in terms of, uh, you know, Hollywood and production and everything. It's just it's, it's just a really great, great interview. We hope you uh, listen to it again because it was just too much for the normal confines of this show. And now you're probably saying, well, David, this programming note is taking up so much time. You probably could just <laughs> put the damn thing in there. Stop talking, David. Why are you keep on talking ryan why can't i stop talking our thanks to robert meyer burnett our thanks to brian freitas my thanks to you dave oh absolutely um, friend. this has been a treat and we will see you all next week on the break the business podcast mm-hmm.